Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the BBM Global Network with 25 years in broadcast audio and video production. Our passionate team creates content and marketing for the world of Internet talk radio. If you've got a passion, come join us at BBMGlobalNetwork.com. The BBM Global Network. Your voice is now heard. of Dr. T, Ph.D., Dr. Hilaire Tavener. And I can feel the Holy Spirit now, because I believe. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Hilaire Tavener, and you are listening to Dr. T, Ph.D. on BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. The first thing I always like to do is thank Paul Koleski, who allows me to use his song. You can hear the whole thing on paulkoleski.com. I only use a minute of it because our time is so precious, uh, but it's a gorgeous, beautiful song. I play it in my car all the time, and it's so inspiring. So I thank you, Mr. Koleski. As always, we like to begin with a prayer, so I'm going to ask you all to, uh, to join me in that prayer. I believe that there is a, uh, a power in our collective coming together. So... Tonight, Almighty God, you told us where there's two or three gathered in your holy name, that you would be in their presence. And tonight we come and we pray for the future, for our children, our children who need powerful, wholesome, healthy role models, who need strong, good, reasonable, godly parents. Almighty God, we pray for our children, so many of them lost, looking for trouble, they need to find their way back to you, back to church, back to the Ten Commandments, back to the Fourth Commandment, honor your mother and your father. Almighty God, we pray 
for all the children. They always have been and always will be our future, the future of this planet. We pray for them in God's holy name. Amen. Thank you all for joining me in a prayer. And I just want to say next week, uh, Robert Moore, uh, a good friend of mine, he's going to be talking about uh, technology in life. You know, he's going to he's going to I want to talk about things that are new in technology that can help people or what technologies should, should you be worried about or concerned about and and can it be used to help save money and um just all kinds of stuff. This man's been in technology for 23 years, and he is my go-to guy. I got to com- admit that he has taught me many a thing, but there's so much more uh, I can learn. And um, he's a wonderful mentor. And so, Robert Moore, next week, I hope you join us and um, and listen to what Robert has to share with us. Now, tonight is. A man I've known for at least 15 years. If I didn't know him, I knew about him. I've watched him in this town of Lorain, Ohio, where about 65,000 people. But I never know where he's going to pop up. He's always leading people. That's what I've noticed about him. And I approached him. I asked him if he'd be willing. In fact, when I got this this gig of Dr. T, PhD, it was one of the very first people I thought of because I have witnessed his ability to organize, to lead, to uh, he's a marvelous leader. I'd love I'd love to see him mayor of Lorraine, but he wouldn't be bothered with it. I, I don't sp- want to speak for him, but I'm just totally. This uh, he's a mentor, and he's going to be talking. Uh, his topic uh, tonight is going to be mentoring at-risk teens. Um, ingredients for successful mentoring programs. This man is a man of his word. Um, he has no idea. I, I think in my life, if I'm not anything, I'm an observer. And I have observed him for years. And you folks, you are very blessed to hear the wisdom and the good and heart of a man called um, Mike Ferrer. Mike, I hope you're there. Are you? I'm here, Dr. T. How are you? Oh, it's always so a relief to me to make sure because you never know. There's all this technology stuff. I'm fine. I'm thrilled to have you. And I know you're going to really open our minds and hearts. And what you're able to do is definitely something I've not been able to do. I have to confess that most of the kids I've mentored along the way came from very wealth, not wealthy, but healthy, healthy homes. And you have a gift for helping the young people, particularly young males. And um, so I'm going to ask you to kind of Tell us a little bit about you uh, so that we know who are we listening to. What? Tell me some background, and then I'm going to pick your brain, my friend. I, I know you can deal with it. Go for it. Who are you, sir? All right, Dr. C. Uh, let's see. Well, I was a, I don't know, I guess you'd call me a, sort of a lost child. I didn't <laughs> know where he wanted to go, what he wanted to do. Um, wasn't a greatest student in school, and so as as high school came to an end and everybody was saying where they were going off to college, um, I had no idea. I never applied. I didn't think about college. College was never spoken to. Uh, no one ever spoke to me about college, but a teacher took me sort of under her wing. She kind of liked me and uh, got me to read everything, and uh, one day I received a letter from Bowling Green State University telling me that I'd been accepted at Bowling Green State University. And the only problem was that I don't ever remember applying to Bowling Green State University. So it turned out that she had gotten together with her, my mom and they applied for me and I was going to Bowling Green. And so I went to Bowling Green for four years studying theater and communications. 
And in my very last semester, again, I was lost. I had no idea what I was going to do. I was in a panic. And so I stopped and I joined the military. And I spent four years in the military uh, serving under uh, as the presidential, in the presidential escort for President Ronald Reagan at the time. So I did that for a couple of years and then I came home. And when I came home, I had no idea what I was going to do again. So I started working as an admissions, uh, sort of an admissions counselor at a private college. Uh, and that's where I found out how attention deficit I truly was and that I could not sit behind a desk for very long. Um, I'd have to walk around or go outside or do something. So, but it turns out that the attention deficit disorder that apparently people said I had um, turned out to be the best gift that could possibly happen for me. So I all of a sudden that. I am. <laughs> so all of a sudden I am working. I find myself working at a Lorraine County Community Action Agency, uh, writing Head Start grants and grants to fund uh, other programs for uh, sort of needy populations same time I married Dina Ferrer. And so here I am sitting at this community action again in an office and I'm going, oh, I don't think I really like this. But I was, then I started volunteering at the Salvation Army, working with, uh, with kids. Um, and they had a gym. And so I started volunteering there on weekends. And pretty soon I was sort of doing the youth services. I liked that more than the grant writing and the desk. And I was always then moving around. And all of a sudden, I wound up with, within a three-month period, I had 700 kids that were coming to the gym. And uh, I told them they could use the gym anytime they want. We will have programs, but you must also get involved in some tutoring and some, you know, some sort of uh, discipline uh, type of classes. And that's when I get the call. I get a call. There was a letter issued by the chief of police of Lorraine, uh, Lorraine Ohio, and it was sent to all nonprofit agencies basically saying that, he could no longer guarantee the safety of the citizens of Lorraine if these nonprofits did not step up and start offering programs to get these gang kids out of the gangs and off the streets. So I received a phone call from El Centro, which is Lorraine's uh, oldest uh, Hispanic social service agency. And it was from a friend of mine, and he asked me if I wanted to come and work for him, uh, working with youth. That's all he pretty much told me. But at the time, I was kind of very dissatisfied uh, being behind the desk at Community Action. I loved the Salvation Army program, but there was a need. And so I said, okay, I'm going to come down, and I'm going to take a look at it. And I'm going to take a huge pay cut, which, of course, I had to call Dina and say, Dina, what do you think? I hate this job, and I'd rather work with kids. I don't care. Uh, I just want to take a shot at it. And, Mike, um, she, Mike, you're going to have to forgive me, but guess what? We have commercial breaks. Uh, I'm, I'm just really just totally immersed in what you have to say, but we're going to take a two minute break and we ask all of you, please join us in a couple of minutes because Mike has got some fantastic stories to share. Thank you. Stay with us. Are you looking for employment and live in Los Angeles, Orange, Riverside, and San Bernardino counties? Jobs Annex is the place for you. Are you an employer looking to fill a position or quite a few positions in Los Angeles, Orange, Riverside, and San Bernardino counties? Jobs Annex is for you. Employers, JobsAnnex.com is your resource for career-minded people. JobsAnnex.com is the convenient place for job seekers and employers to hook up and move forward. Jobs Annex has been serving Los Angeles, Orange, Riverside, and San Bernardino counties for over 14 years. Years. Jobs Annex is a former employment search firm. We've evaluated many thousands of resumes and we understand what employers want and what job applicants need to be successful in their interviews. At Jobs Annex, we provide you with the tools to tell your story for free. 
Our resources at jobsannex.com will help each applicant construct an award-winning resume, an eye-catching cover letter, and key interview questions to ask in various types of interviews. Best of all, it's free. Jobsannex.com. That's J-O-B-S-A-N-N-E-X.com. Baby boomers face many challenges, and sometimes you have to reinvent yourself in order to stay on top. Sharon Ball, nurse practitioner and Christian life and wellness coach, can help. Sharon has written a book called Reinventing Yourself Today, and it can help you through the pangs of changing the course of your life. Whether you are looking to stay on track with new goals, a sensible program to help you shed unwanted pounds, or a full kick-butt life reinvention, Sharon can work with you. Follow your passions and live each day according to your dreams and free yourself from the expectations of others. Sharon comes from the heart and shares her own personal journey to reinvention with her clients. Other self-help books inspired her, but few gave her the steps to improve her life, so she created a plan that works. Stress no more. Let Sharon Ball open the door. Sign up for a complimentary life reinvention consultation today at tinyurl.com forward slash get started for free for more of what life has in store. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so glad you're staying with us. I'm Dr. Hilaire Tavener. You're listening to Dr. T, Ph.D., coming to you live on BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. And tonight we've got our uh, Mike Ferrer. Um, he's truly one of my inspirational uh, uh, Lorraineites. Um, he and his wife, I mean, I only have an opinion like everybody else, but in my mind, if there was such a thing as a power couple, these are a power couple. And I'm going to say, tell you what makes them powerful. They care. They genuinely care. If we would all do that, what a wonderful world we would have. But anyway, Mike, we interrupted you when you were telling us about how you got involved with these at-risk programs. So w- will you just continue your thoughts, and, and okay. I'm just going to listen. Okay? Sure. Go. So that's where it all started. So the call came from El Centro, and they told me that they had a youth center and that they wanted me to come down and work with their, with their youth. Uh, based on the letter that the chief had sent that they had to step up forward. And there were two main gangs in Lorraine, and they were always at each other's throats. And um, I did not know that the youth center was located right in the middle of both gangs. I just went over and said, Dina, I really would like to take this job. And she said, then go for it. So I show up at El Centro, and uh, the director tells me after I'd already left my previous job, says, um, well, I forgot to tell you just one thing, and that is that I only have enough funds for three months. And so oh, then I was back with a kind of quandary. What am I going to do now? I'm recently married, have to support my wife. And so I came up with an idea that I would go down to the, um, the it's called Ohio Means Jobs now, but um, back then it was the, the organization that gave summer programs, uh, and it's a federal program. So and I yes. went down there and I asked them, I said, listen, why don't you give me, I'd like to run a program for youth for any youth that has failed in all your programs, any youth that has, you have kicked out of your programs, I would like a shot at them. And they were only too happy to accommodate. <laughs> and so in an instant, um, I, you know, I started the, I opened up the youth center. I, I started a program called STEP. And it was a, sun, a summer theater enrichment program um, and, or a step in the right direction was what was in my mind. And I met with both gangs and they agreed that the youth center would be a neutral site. And I'd raised the money in a very short time um, to start the program. And the program was basically about, about these young people. I took, uh, the gang kids came, both gangs came. I had 45 youth, both male and female. Uh, females were much tougher than the males, I will tell you that. 
Oh, dear. Uh, and so we started this program, and it was a feeder program, but it was really an employment training program. And so the young people would come every day. They'd show up at 8 in the morning, and they would stay till 5. I told them any person who finishes this program in the entire summer, because it was a summer program at the time, would receive $1,000. <gasps> and But you have to work. You can't miss. You have to do everything that is asked of you. Uh, and to my surprise, they, of course, they were very enthusiastic about it, but they started learning. So every day we would do, we would start writing scripts of problems that would be happening that they would see in their community, whether it was drugs or a lot of it was uh, abusive behavior from parents. I mean, these kids, uh, some of them had gone through some uh, horrendous things, um, and that's what eventually got them into the gangs, uh, the family that is called, you know, gangs. Um, and so every morning they would write, but they could not write about something. I would bring in sort of playwrights, and they would work with them, and they would put their story uh, together. And each morning the kids would try out, would be writing. So this was all employment training and academics involved that they didn't realize were academics. So right. every morning they're, they're, uh, re they're writing. In the afternoon, they're reading the scripts out loud. Then they're trying out for parts. Um, so every day there was academics, but they were looking at it as they get a chance to tell their story. Uh, we have a very big theater in, in, uh, Lorain, Ohio, the palace theater. So I utilized the palace theater and said in three months at the end of the summer, you are going to put on a show. You're going to put on a show, um, for this community, telling them about what you see, what are the problems and but what are the solutions also to those problems? These kids learn mathematics by building the sets, by uh, they have to build, they have to do everything themselves. And then, but each day we would talk things out. We would say, okay, so how would you do this? How would you present this? And when we sat around in our circles, they would say, um, well, I want to talk about how my stepfather sexually abused me and my mother didn't believe me and stuck by him and how that got me into trouble and I ran away from home and I wound up in juvenile detention and so these are tough stories, and but we were able to bring in playwrights and make them into scenes for a play. Um, the 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 young ladies, when one young lady spoke up, another seven then spoke up, and had the same situation going on in their families. So we had brought someone in, they and they turned that into a ballet with the kids wearing masks and an X on their on their uh, lips that they couldn't speak, and they put on the most incredible show. It was just unreal. It was a two and a half hour show. Uh, I was able to get support in terms of attendance. 80% uh, of the kids were the gang members and, and, and all their friends, but 20% were judges and the prosecutor and the police department and police officers who came to support them. And after that very first production, it was just amazing. The kids cleaned off. They decided that they would then, after the summer, I did not give them the $1,000. I gave them $200 and $800 uh, I set up accounts at clothing stores and places where uh, book supply places and school supply places so that they would utilize them in going back to school. And the program turned out to run for 14 years straight and was eventually nominated twice for the President of the United States National Award on Youth. And, you know, I, although I've received a lot of awards, I've actually received none, no awards because these awards were earned by these young people. I was just the proud facilitator, the, the mentor who said, I'm always going to be there for you.
And I mean, and we had our own chat room and we still have it to this day. This is uh, 27 years later. And um, that's how I kind of got working with you. It was a desperate thing that I needed to figure out, um, you know, how I'm going to get some money to run that youth center and get the programs going, realizing that. And then what, what it came down to was the Department of Labor said, hey, nobody wants to work with these kids. If you're willing to work with them, we'll give you money for that. And, the, you know, the rest, and then that became my life. My life became about young people. What a legacy. Thanks, Mike. We're going to take another little break. Everybody, hope you stay with us. Mike's got some more inspirational and true stories to share with us. Don't go away. There are artists, and then there's Alice Asmar. This award-winning artist has spent her entire life devoted to her artistic pursuits and has had a lifelong fascination with American Indians of the southwestern United States. Her book, Dance to the Great Spirit, showcases her drawings and paintings inspired by sacred rituals of the Pueblo Indians, and four of her lithographs are in permanent collection at the National Museum of American History in the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C. She is one of four artists in the United States to win a Woolly Fellowship for study in Paris at L'École des Beaux-Arts and has been featured in numerous publications. She's exhibited at the world's most prestigious museums and galleries and recently won a 20-year service award from the Burbank City Council and the inaugural art competition of the Foundation of the United States in Paris. Visit www.asmarart.com, www.aliceasmarinternational.com and email alice at aliceasmar at aol.com. Horses, mystical, present, past, and future, all in one. Wild, free, domestic, and healing for everyone. Betty Hames knows this and has put her horses to good use with Nature Connect Equine Coaching. Her mission is to help people affected by the loss of hope and trust in their lives and to rediscover the wonders of nature through nature-connected learning so they can rebuild their lives and live peacefully with newfound hope, trust, and joy. Betty Hames is also a certified elite life coach, a Washington State certified counselor, and chemical dependency professional. She is passionate about partnering nature with healing, and through horses, she sees amazing results and transformation in lives that might have otherwise been lost. Call 509-830-9225 and visit her at HamesLifeCoaching.com. Hold your horses. You're in for the ride of your life. Welcome back, everyone. We're so glad to have you staying with us. I'm Dr. Hilaire Tavener. You're listening to Dr. T. Ph.D. coming to you live on BBM Global Network. And you're listening to Mike Ferrer, who is a mentor of of young uh, teens that were at risk. And uh, he's talking about ingredients for successful mentoring programs because he's had so many of them. He's had a lifetime of service among troubled people. But, you know, I got to say, Mike, in a way, I've been, I've taught about 3,000 kids and about 2,000 adults. And I have to admit, I've been somewhat spoiled because I have had kids and uh, young men and young women and people from other countries, but they were extremely cooperative. You are deal- dealing with people that are maybe two two grade levels behind their peers, and and uh, you these people have been in juvenile court systems, and they they face you know like enormous barriers to success. So, what is it like in that world? What what insights can you give us so that we can all maybe? kind of follow your good example what do you have to share with us in there that department well i think um you know 
a lot of these, a lot of the kids who were performing behind grade level, that that wasn't just their their natural state. I mean, a lot of the way they were performing and the way they were acting out and the way they were uh, not achieving uh, had a lot to do with how they were being brought up. There were many times when I would meet the parents of these, uh, and it was usually one parent. Uh, the other parent was incarcerated or had. And so I found that they are ready. They are more than ready to learn. They want to be successful as anyone else, but they place so many defenses up in front of them because people just on a consistent basis walk in and out of their life. So one of the first things that, that we had to work with was that we were going to be there, that we're not leaving. We'll be in your life as long as you want us. These kids were just so used to um, just people walking in and out of their lives. And so once they knew that we were there and that we weren't going anywhere, then they really were ready. And then it was easier to talk about the barriers because these young people, they have some incredible skills. They really do. It's just skills that they built up as defenses, whether it's, whether it's the breaking. I mean, how many times did I lock my key in my car and they opened it up in 10 seconds? You know, <laughs> it takes me three hours and, and, uh, and a service to come to help me with that. Exactly. But those are the skills. Those are the defensive skills that they, they have sort of, you know, acquired as a survival mechanism. So to me, there is no better work than to work with these with this particular population because they really want to be successful. They just don't know it yet. They are so busy believing um, that being put down and being told they're not going to accomplish anything, and they start buying into it. It becomes sort of a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. But I tell you what, Dr. T, I work, I sit on a lot of boards, and it takes some in some boards that which I've started resigning from over the last couple of years. It takes a year sometimes for you to even have a great conversation on a board where you feel you're actually doing something because people don't want to hurt your feelings. People say, well, you know, he's Puerto Rican. I don't want to be, I don't want to uh, seem like I'm racist or, you know, and so you get nowhere. With young people, I will tell you what, I only start the program. I have the ingredients for the program. They help me mold the program. And when a kid tells you, Mike, this sucks, wow. That's phenomenal because I say, oh, you know what? I got to agree, man. I'm not feeling it either. Can you help me fix it? Now it's their ideas. Yes. And their ideas is what starts driving the program. And they show me how to take them from point A to point B. And I'm thankful for that. And we get a lot done because they do want to go somewhere. And as long as you listen, you know, we're so, many times we're placed in a classroom and we're told, make sure you're in control of the class. Make sure you show them who's the boss. Uh, even when I've hired staff over the years, the first time someone gets up on the board and says, you will address me as so-and-so, that's their last day with me. I tell all my staff the same thing. I said, you can find another job. These young people have nowhere else to go. So figure it out because they're staying, and if you can't do it, it's you who are going to be leaving. So working with, with kids who are, are two grade levels behind, I that's, a, that's just a circumstance they find themselves in. They can learn, and they learn quickly. They just, you know what, what the common denominator is for most of the youth that I work with is that very few of them, very few, have ever gotten something quite simple, an attaboy, uh, thank you, or that's a good job, or those, those basic little things have been completely missing in their lives. And when you, they start realizing that they're appreciated, that they contribute, that they have something to say, 
and now all they have to do is learn what's the best way to say it so that people listen, then you're on your way. I mean, you are, you are moving. I, I, I can't say, I've, you know, all the programs that I've created since then, whether they were diabetes prevention programs for men or uh, prison programs that help people transition back into community, all of them have been taught to me by the work I did with these gang kids. Because that's where it really is. That's, if you're open to learning, they teach you how to teach them. And once you start doing that, they grasp and they run with things. I have kids now who I was told would not be graduating uh, that year. And they are now helping me run the programs. I mean, first I work with these young people. And then we put together another program for younger people. And they become the teachers and they become the mentors. And they've Fantastic. never been a mentor. Yes. Go ahead. Go now. That's just that's everything you're saying makes such good sense. As you know, get them to buy into it. Get them to. You have to lift them up. You have to support kids. I know. I think I got really. I got a lot accomplished in a classroom because job one, I loved them. I respected them. I believed in them, and they responded to that. So you know, you're saying that that's kind of a universal concept. We have to nourish the right. young people, and they're not being nourished in a home where. There's so much chaos and violence and sexual mishap and, and all kinds of, uh, you know, are, are, I don't know. It's just not a healthy home environment. But when they come into your world, right. you give them the nourishment that they need to believe in who they are. So I'm hearing everything you say, and I want to clap when you're talking. So just keep <laughs> on going. <laughs> just keep on going. That's good. You know, um, I want to ask you this. Um, what, I mean, what defines success for these young people in your mind? Uh, where do you hope to take them? I mean, is it just to college or to a paying job or a self-esteem? Or does every kid for you have, like, you have a different goal for each one? I mean, how does that work for you? Uh, well, I think you're about to go into a commercial uh, in oh, yeah? just a few seconds. So why don't we address that as soon as we come back? I love it. Okay, so everybody, we just want you to know that you're listening to Dr. T, Ph.D. on BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. Join us. Mike's got some more to, uh, to share with us. Come back soon. Intergenerational programming is uniting America due to the tireless efforts of Dr. Ramona Frischman. Retired from the Miami-Dade County Public School System, Dr. Frischman continues to develop intergenerational learning programs aimed to improve the lives of children, young adults, and seniors through unique strategies and public policy in order to establish a mutually supportive agenda. She views intergenerational programs as a resource for policymakers and the general public on economic, social, and personal initiatives that govern our society. Her work bridges the generational gap, providing many individuals the opportunity to explore areas of common ground and celebrate each other's diversity. Contact Ramona Frischman at RamonaLong at AOL.com or visit www.gu.org to learn more about intergenerational programming. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Dr. Hilaire Tavener. You're listening to Dr. T. Ph.D., and we are coming to you live on BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. And we have Mike Ferrer, Mr. Mike Ferrer, um, as our speaker tonight, and he's talking about his life career of mentoring young people, especially at-risk teens. And he's been involved with so many programs, mentoring programs. And, um, you know, I just, as he talks, it might 
Frank, as you talk, it just all of it just so rings so true for me. I, I said I, I do want to stand up and clap. I, I'm actually sitting down, but I so appreciate what you have to say because I hear the truth loud and clear. You know, you were mentoring them. You were calling them to a better life, and they could see your sincerity and your genuine concern. So yeah, I mean, when you ask what defines success for these young people, in in my mind, I think yeah. you know, and, and it's moving them towards self sustainability. I think a lot of it is a lot of it is knowing the situations they have at home, uh, how rough that is for them, and knowing that I mean, when you're working with uh, with certain populations with so called, I mean, let's face it, every kid is at risk. It's, it's yes. It's once. You know, some people have the parents and some people have the support that take away and lessen that risk. But every kid is really at risk. These kids are just, you know, they've just sort of been abandoned. But what I want for them is what they want. What they really want is to achieve, to, to feel that their life is moving forward in a way that it's going to get better. And what I find is, it, so to me, the success, and the programs that I do now really focus on um, one is uh, what they all want. What they, uh, whenever you do, you're with any group of, of young people, and they're around 16. The first, uh, the trigger, the thing that gets their attention and gives you their undivided attention, is the thought of securing employment. If they could get a job, if they could make their their own money without having to uh, put themselves in dangerous situations where making that money could get them in jail or killed, um, right. then that is inspirational to them. So when we talk, so a lot of what I focus on is getting them their resumes. And they say, well, Mike, uh, you know, Mike, I've never had a job. I said, you only think you've never had a job. I said, tell me, I mean, have you ever babysat? Oh, yeah, all the time. Mike. Have you ever babysat for anyone who does not have your last same last name? Oh, yeah, all the time. Like my neighbors, the kids, of course. I said, so what did you do with these kids? Uh, I go, well, uh, you know, I, I play games. And the younger ones, I taught them their, their numbers and their colors and their shapes. And I exercise with them. I, I said, wait a second. Are you telling me that you designed and implemented educational and recreational programs for kids, for three kids, ages six, five, and nine? And they go like, I, I, I did? I said, absolutely, <laughs> that's what you did. Those were your ideas. You designed this. You're a child care specialist. Let's start talking about that. Did you, did you cook for them? Did you make food? I said, yeah. I said, did they have, did they have um, uh, allergies? Oh, yeah, there were certain foods I couldn't, I couldn't make for them. I said, wait a second. So you prepared culinary delights to dietary specifications, did you? And now they just can't stop talking about anything that they've ever done, whether they mowed a lawn or, and so now the second part of my program then is community service. Every weekend, and I average about 94 to 96% attendance from kids who don't go to school uh, anywhere over 50% attendance. It's because we do the community service, they start learning, we'll do homeless shelters, we'll work with veterans, um, we design, we, we uh, work with leaders. We work with any group that needs our help. We'll go there. And we, as long as they can give us at least three to four hours of, of, of work, and then we volunteer that weekend. And these kids learn. I mean, when these kids learned, when we did the uh, feeding the homeless programs, when these kids realized, I mean, kids came up to me one time and just said, Mike, 
there are people here worse off than I am. It yeah. just never entered their minds that anyone was suffering the way they were suffering. And once they saw that, they go, Mike, maybe that's not so bad. Maybe I'm not as bad off as I think. I said, well, no, you never were. Don't let wow. others try to rob you of what you're going to receive, of what you're going to work toward. And once they see that, and every community service is something that I can translate into something on their resumes. So now they have resumes, they have cover letters, uh, there's, but in order to continue in the program, they have to do what we call learning how to play the game, which means that um, they have to go to school. If they go to school, every fourth, uh, fourth or fifth week, we take a field trip. That field trip could be horseback riding, overnight camping, uh, uh, we could go canoeing, uh, whatever. It, it's something that they have never tried, but something that they could easily um, access if they go off to college because these, are, these things are, are everywhere. So now they're participating. Now they're coming. Now they're, they're um having their own suggestions and saying, Mike, how about if we did this? I go, hey, you know, that's a good idea. Let's, 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 go, let's sit and talk about that. Let's put that together. And that's how components get added to the program. At the same time, I'm giving them, I'm getting, I'm arranging for backdoor tours of colleges, meaning that, you know, the front door is where they say, and, and this is the college, and here are the programs we have, and here's what you can do. And I take them in through the back door. And we go in, and young people at the college, um, like we went to the Oberlin, Oberlin's one of the best colleges around, music and, uh, and that. And we took a backdoor tour and the LGBT community uh, sponsored us and came in and they told us the real stories of the difficulties they've had in growing up, getting to college, focusing on their academics and winding up at Oberlin College. And these kids, just hearing the truth, just hearing that someone that has made it into Oberlin College also had problems that they overcame. That's something that they never fathomed. They just, it never entered their mind. And then they have a, a sort of a pickup concert over that we go to uh, there on campus where the, the musicians are just kind of playing together and talking together. It's not a formal concert, but the kids could interrupt and ask questions. How did you get to this, all of that? And so these new experiences, each one of them is sort of an escape from the trauma that they're experiencing on a regular basis. So they come to my program, which is their program. They come because it's theirs and they're safe and they have fun. And then we started our own chat room where you help each other forward. Um, the chat room is used that when somebody gets an A, they just put it on there and everybody, I'll be all 82 students that I'm working right now would just, would just, you know, say, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. Oh, wow, you can do this again. And then that just propelled them forward. And pretty soon, we do probably a good 40% of what we do is role play. Um, most of these kids have been in trouble because they don't know how to express that anger. They don't know how to express the frustration. And so if they, think, if they finally turn in a paper and the teacher loses it or doesn't have it, then they go off. They start cussing and they get suspended. So we role play. I say, okay, suppose the teacher just misplaced it. And we role play the different types of scenarios and what the potential ramifications is. And every kid who works with me now understands that they have to become self-advocates. They got to speak for themselves, but nobody's going to listen unless you can express what you're trying to express in a manner that is non-threatening. And so we practice that all the time. 
How do you how do you talk to this teacher? How do you talk to this principal? Because there, in my experience, and it's not often, but in my experience, there's there's been teachers because I work at oh probably right now sixteen different schools different schools, and there are teachers that don't want to teach these kids. They remember their brother from three years ago, and he was always uh, he was on his way to prison, and he was doing drugs, and he was, and so they assume that this kid is that same kid, and won't give him a chance. That's and awful. That is a scary thing. So you have to teach them how to advocate, uh, how to also do it in a, in a constructive way. And I have I have had these kids, um, they'll go in and I say, listen, just try this tomorrow. Go in, don't have any incidents. Uh, when you get when right before you leave, erase the board for the teacher. Uh, look at for any trash in the classroom and throw it in the garbage can, and then just leave. And many kids have done that. I say, and then we when we get together that Saturday, I say, so what happened? What happened? Tell me. And they go, the teacher just looked, her mouth dropped wide open. She just she didn't know how to take it. I said, and then what happened? The next day, when I went to class, she wanted to talk to me. She wanted to help me all of a sudden. I said, well, see, you can project whatever you want people to see. Just because the world is unfair doesn't mean you have to be. And once they learn this, oh, my Lord, and then they just start, they just really start pushing each other forward. And that's why I say it's, it's their program. So, I mean, all the awards that we received, it's them who have received the awards for the accomplishments. We do, every time we do community service now, we're known as the go-to group for community service. These kids are asked to, if they want a job. You know, that's an amazing thing to them that someone asked them to that. So when we come back, as I think you're getting ready to go to commercial again. When we come back, I'm yes. going to tell you some of the stories of these kids and how they turned that around and how now they are teaching other kids. I'm looking forward to hearing that. So, everybody, we're taking a a little two-minute break. Uh, Please stay with us. I'm your host, Dr. T. You're listening to Dr. T, Ph.D. Renaissance woman, trailblazer, maverick. Those are just some of the words to describe Tashandra Poulard, owner and CEO of House Virgo Entertainment, LLC, a woman minority veteran-owned entertainment company based in Washington, D.C., Ms. Poulard served 10 years honorably in the United States Navy and departed from active duty to pursue her dreams of becoming an entertainment mogul. House of Virgo Entertainment offers script writing, producing, directing, DJ services, editing, and more. They cater to businesses, corporations, college students, working professionals, aspiring artists and nonprofit organizations, and employ veterans of the armed forces. Tashandra Poulard is pioneering the way we view media and taking her brand global. Visit her at www.houseofvirgoentertainment.com or call 281-515-3740 and like her on Facebook at House of Virgo Entertainment, LLC. Psychologist, master certified coach, and CEO of the executive and organizational development firm True North Leadership, Dr. Relly Nadler brings his expertise in emotional intelligence to keynotes, consulting, coaching, and training. He is the author of Leader's Playbook and Leading with Emotional Intelligence that lays out tips and tools for effective leadership. Dr. Nadler has designed multi day executive boot camps for high achievers in Fortune 500 companies and has coached CEOs, presidents and their staff and developed and delivered innovative leadership programs for such organizations as Anheuser-Busch, BMW, MCI, EDS, DreamWorks Animation, 
the U.S. Navy and Vanguard Health Systems. To learn more and get your free iPhone app highlighting his tools with videos, leadership keys, visit www.truenorthleadership.com today. Welcome back, everyone. So glad you're staying with us. I'm Dr. T, and you're listening to Dr. T, Ph.D., and we are coming to you live on BBM Global Network. And our speaker tonight is Mr. Mike Ferrer, and he is truly, uh, in my opinion, one of the esteemed leaders of our community. I have the greatest respect for him. I see him talking, you know, it's, he's such a pragmatist. You know, if it works, he makes it happen. Mike, we interrupted your thoughts. Can you remember what they were? Can we get back to what you were saying? Sure. So, so a lot of what, you know, we're getting to the point, I think, where we, one of the things you advertised for this program was sort of the ingredients to successful mentoring. Uh, yes. And as I told you earlier, young people teach you how to teach them. But also don't forget that they are actually teaching you if you would just take the time to listen. Some of the ingredients that I have found that have been incredible to me was one is listen more than I talk because they tell you so much, even their silence, follow up on that silence. Okay. Talk to them. Okay. Don't be inclined. Like if a kid, Many of these kids, and I've, I've winded up, for example, I get a call from a kid in the chat room. I look at the, the chat room, and they're talking to me, or they private message me, and they're about to lose it. They're about to break a window. They're about to just go crazy. And I've gone, and I said, look, don't overreact. Take it easy. I'll be right over. So I come over to the kid's house, and we're sitting on the porch. It's 2.30 in the morning. Well, what happens at 2.30 in the morning? Uh, oh, actually, it's about 2.50 in the morning. At 2.30, the bar is closed, and the parent still is at home. And I'm sitting there, and that kid is about to lose it. And it's also worried that the parent may not even come home. And I'm sitting on that porch, and the parent shows up drunk and says, you know, what are you doing here? And I'm getting ready to explain when all of a sudden she says, I'm not talking to you. She's talking to her own kid. So it gives you an idea of what some of these kids go. So when you're working with a young person and they go off or they, have, they lose it in the moment, don't use that as an opportunity to get rid of them, to say they're not teachable. Stick with it. And I tell you, they will respect that more than anything. Another thing that I have learned that, that has become very valuable, I don't think the schools could do this, but since I'm not a school teacher, is one thing about young people is they love friends on Facebook. Send them a little message. Just say, just say so-and-so wants to be your friend. A lot of these young people don't even look at who wants to be their friend. They just friend you because that's another friend. And the higher count on those friends, the better off they are. And young people talk like you wouldn't believe. Let out their true feelings, their true what's going to happen. They do that on Facebook. So we friend them. We friend some of our youth, and then we just uh, kind of monitor. So we know when their frustration levels have, have reached the end. We've had maybe 11 kids that we were found that were about to hurt themselves. And we're saying sort of goodbye on Facebook. Um, and we were able to deal with that and get, and get them the help they need, but always knowing that we're there for them. That's such a huge thing, the listening and to watching and learning. I mean, I don't have the formal training uh, in how to recognize all of this. I've taken workshops, but I've learned through the experiences. I've learned through uh, what they taught me. You know, and always think outside the box. Outside the box is good. And work with partners. You know, I went back to, we had a young person um, 
Uh, he's Lorraine. He's from Lorraine. He's a great kid. And this kid was one of the most recruited kids. He lived in a gang-infested neighborhood, and everyone wanted him in the gang. And he was having trouble resisting that. And he came to me and he said, Mike, I don't know if I can hold out any longer. They're going to start beating me up if I don't join the gang. I don't know what to do. So I sat down with the staff. I went and met with the police department, and we devised a strategy. The strategy was one day the kid comes home. We'd already talked to his mother, so she was fully aware of what was going on. He walked home from school. He goes up on his porch. Right at that moment, two cop cars pull into his driveway and in front of the street. They go run up on the porch. They grab him. They throw him against the wall. Uh, They they start saying, we know what you did. We know, and you're going to wind up going to jail for this. This is where you're going to wind up. We've been watching you for a while. And then they throw him in the police car, and they take off. Now, at all this time, all the gang members around him were watching this. They didn't know that the police took him to dinner two towns over. <laughs> but when he came back, then he went to the gang guys and said, okay, I guess I'm going to join. And they said to him, are you crazy? We don't want you. They're watching you. If they're watching you, they're going to be watching us. So get out of our face. That kept them out of the gangs. This young man is now a, a pastor here in Lorain, Ohio, uh, and also is my contact person in the social security office helping people get the IDs they need to get jobs. So if you just think outside the box, if you just say, look, I'm dedicated to this young person. And if you look at the data from us, you know, um, you know, what we have found is if you just stick with them and, and deal with things and talk to them and listen to them. Um, if you look at, uh, let's see, I had 42 young people last uh, two years ago. Out of No, 44. Out of the 44, 43 graduated on time. The one that didn't graduate, the students talked her into going back and she graduated the following year. Uh, this last year, we were working, I was working intensively with um, 39, of which 37 graduated on time. We have probably right now somewhere around 33 that are enrolled in college, six that went off to the military, all female. Uh, we have probably 85% are working, 11 people have two jobs, and they still, they're done, with, they're done with the program, but they keep coming back. I've never had to recruit a kid. These are the kids bringing kids who they know are in trouble now to the program. And oh. so it's, it's, I mean, it's just so fulfilling. You know, I work in a field in which you're probably never going to get a pension, but I tell you what, these kids come back from college. They come, they show up, and they want to volunteer, and they want to mentor other kids. They might, let me handle this. I was there. I know what he's feeling. And they come back and they, and they talk to these kids. Then they go back off to college and they stay in touch on Facebook with the kids that I'm working with now. Now, I'm telling you what, if I die tomorrow, that is priceless. That's better than a pension. That's better. And then the number of youth that from the old days that are now putting their kids into my programs, uh, you know, that makes my life. It, it, it just fulfills me. It makes me want to wake up every day and go back and find that next kid. So I have Mike. feelers out all over the, the county that when you, Mike. Uh, if you come across a kid, let me know. Uh, hey, Mike, we're going to have to take a break right here. Okay, I hate to interrupt you. I oh, love sorry. you. I you are on excited. fire. I ran away. I'm back. I come back. No, you are on fire. We'll be back in two. Everybody <laughs> join us, please. We still need to finish this up. Stay with us.
If you seek a courageous advocate, prepare to champion your rights with consumer service agencies that support aging populations, Carol Ann Hamilton is the one for you. Carol Ann is an elder care coach, author, and speaker with a quarter million hours lived experience successfully supporting unculpable aging parents. As a result of a challenging journey, Carol Ann revolutionizes how stressed out caregivers restore serenity to their worlds. She also brings over 25 years of change management expertise in Fortune 500 settings to catalyze urgent transformation within the elder care industry. Carol Ann is a popular speaker at conferences across North America. She has appeared via TV, radio, and print globally. Now you can tune in weekly to get a dose of her inspiration plus down-to-earth advice to cope with even the most difficult aging parents. Listen Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern on Bold Brave Media and TuneIn Radio. Thanks for staying with us. We really wanted you to hear our closing, our summary, our our, uh, ending thoughts. Um, I'm Dr. T. You're listening to Dr. T, Ph.D., and we're coming to you live on BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. Okay, Mike, um, what do you want me to remember? What are your final thoughts here? Well, I think it's already in your head, Dr. T. I think it's that, you know, young people, they're worth the investment. There is no kid that's not reachable. I mean, I, I remember when I first started working in the field, um, the first year, some of my friends in the court and some of my friends said, you know, you really should concentrate on, uh, you know, 16 and below because all the others, I mean, they're already fixed. They're already in their, in their mindset. You're not going to be able to turn them around. And I said, you know, I, I, I disagree. I, I, I have to disagree with you, and I kept doing the work I did. Two years later, they come up to me and they said, listen, Mike, you know, you really should start working with like 11 to 14-year-olds only because the 15 to 17-year-olds, they've already made up their mind. You're not going to be able to turn them around. You know, I mean, this is the kind of gibberish and bull crap that I, that I get from people yes. who should know better, who should invest in that. You know, we pay a lot of money when kids and when young people are uh, in prison. We pay a lot of money each year. Let's keep them out of prison. Let's give them a shot. And so now, I mean, the final one, the one that really turned me away from a lot of my, my supposed professional friends was when they said, Mike, you really ought to concentrate on 10 to 12-year-olds because the others, they already have their minds made up. You're not going to turn them around. And I said, you know, I really would like you not to talk to me anymore. Wow. Because it's just so wrong. I have 19-year-olds who, who just need a little boost. And, and that's the key. I mean, just be there for these young people. I, that's all it takes is just to make that commitment. Do not be deterred. I mean, I'll tell you right now, Dr. T, I have a program. It runs. I mean, it runs. It's, a little, it's another program, a new program for second through seventh graders is STEM science camps. You know who runs these programs? My youth. They teach them how to build rockets now. They teach them how to do robotics. They're the ones running this camp, and the parents of the little kids, they love them. And the little kids at the end of the program, after eight weeks in the summer, they come up and they bring them gifts, and the parents bring their kids gifts. They've never experienced anything like that. They now know they're important. They're moving ahead. They're going to make it. All it took was for some of us to say, we're going to be there when you fall. We're going to pick you up, and we're going to keep walking with you, and nothing is going to take me away from you until I know that you've made it. That's where we, where we want to go, and those are the ingredients to a good mentoring program. 
And you know, Mike, the one word that comes to me as I listen to you is the word enthusiastic. You, my friend, are totally enthusiastic. And that comes, the root word for that is entheos, that God is filled within you. Enthusiastic. Entheos. And I just so appreciate your your thoughts and your sharing. And, and maybe we can just have a real quick closing prayer together. Um, let's just come together as believers in mentors like Mike, good fathers, good mothers, good role models. All of us are teachers, God. The word teacher, taken, it means to show. I remember telling the children, you show me every day who you are and what you believe. You don't have to go to college to be a teacher. Your parents are teachers. You're teachers. We are all teachers. Almighty God. Help us to teach the world about your great love for us, your compassion for us, your wisdom and your truth. And I thank you, Mr. Mike Ferrer, for sharing your truth. You You live it every day, my friend. I witness that. I thank you. God bless you and your beloved wife, Dina. I love her, too. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for staying with us. God bless. BBM Global Network Radio. Amen. I can feel your presence, I can feel your loving power In the gift of this communion, in this holy hour Jesus, will you heal me of my iniquity? This I ask of you cause I believe I believe I believe in you. I Tune in next week for more thought-provoking conversation with Dr. Hilaire Taverner on Dr. T, Ph.D. And I can feel the Holy Spirit now because I believe. You've been listening to the BBM Global Network. The ideas, views, and opinions of this broadcast are those of the participants of the program and are not necessarily the ideas, views, and opinions of the BBM Global Network Company. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.